non-negotiables in it. For instance, there is always a time of thanksgiving where we give thanks to God for the gift of life, the gift of grace, the gift of salvation. In every service, there is a time of confession because we've fallen short. We haven't lived the lives that God has intended, and we ask for God's forgiveness. So there's then always the assurance of forgiveness. There's also a time of supplication and prayer and petition where we pray for one another in God's world. But there's one other thing, too, and we usually start the service with it, and that is praise. We begin our service with praise, with a hymn of praise. Let's stand together and sing. Please join me in the litany of invitation and confession, which is printed in your order of worship. We have been called away from that which is mundane. We bring our frustrations and our fears, our successes and our failures. We also confess our sins and know that our sins have strained our relationship with God and separated us from one another. We have lived all our lives as God intended. We ask God to forgive us. We pause for a moment of silent confession. Sisters and brothers, God is generous in love and full of grace. Let us live lives as large as the love of God. God has forgiven us. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. 
Again, welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. During the summers, we meet here in the chapel rather than in the large sanctuary, and it gives us an opportunity to uh, hear one another sing and the feeling of intimacy and love that we have. So welcome to this place, welcome to worship. There is on the edge of your order of service uh, a welcome card. Those of you who are guests and visitors today, if you would complete that, drop it in the offering plate, it'll help me connect name and face with you. And then for anyone who would like to be prayed for this week, it is an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and by need. And so you could place that on the card as well, drop that in the, in the plate, and it'll be an honor to pray for you uh, this week. Uh, of the scriptures that we'll be hearing, I'll be attempting to preach on the first scripture. It is from the book of Jeremiah. Daniel and I have been walking with you through the summer a mirror image of uh, what we've been doing in our church school in, in letting the biographies that we've read and shared uh, inform our theology. So I'll be preaching on the book of Jeremiah and the prophet Jeremiah today. I've always, um, I've always appreciated his enduring passion, and that's the character trait that I want to hold up today. Now, for those of you who were able to be in church school today, was that not a wow moment of being in the presence of God and one another? Uh, the gravitas that uh, David and Jackie and Ken and uh, uh, Simon and Terrell brought and the leadership of Daniel was just remarkable. And it reminds me of how holy our stories are. And... Uh, and I wanted to name that. So that's a part of our biography as theology as well. So let us begin our worship with open hearts, open minds, as we open the scriptures and hear from them being read. Welcome. God calls young Jeremiah to be a prophet for God and to bring God's words to the people. A reading from the book of Jeremiah. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Here ends the first lesson. On our way to prayer today, uh, we need to pause and name an elephant in America's living room. That today, August the 25th, is the 400th anniversary of slavery being introduced into North America. It was on August the 25th, 1619, in Hampton, Virginia, home of VA Medical Center now. It was there that the first slave ship arrived. And uh, the Alliance of Baptists, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, two denomination-like bodies we are connected with, have asked each congregation to pause and remember Americans, America's original sin that we will suffer with for the rest of our days, but also we will be redemptive presences in the face of it. And so I'll be tolling the bell four times, one for each century since that moment. It is a moment of confession, but it is also a moment that we ask for God's forgiveness and that we are part of the redemption as we move forward. Let us prepare to pray. <clears throat> 
now let us pray. Holy God, who breathed life into each of us, you knew us before we were formed in the womb. Breathe life into us now through your Holy Spirit and open our hearts to hear your word. We come with the gratitude of being sustained by you and the gratitude of being nourished by your love. And we pray at this hour for those in our church who need your special care, even at this hour, for Barbara Ashley and her family mourning her mother, Emma, for recovery for those with recent surgeries. And we pray for our world, which seems to be on fire with the words of uncivil rhetoric. So quiet our slanderous tongues and tame our tendency to dehumanize. And not only our language is in flames, but our rainforests are on fire. We pray for those affected by the wildfires in Brazil. May relief come. And may the human tendency to consume more resources than we need be quenched. On this 400th anniversary of the landing of slave ships on North American soil, we know that we as a people have much work to do to repair the breach, to restore the city, and to move towards racial reconciliation. May you move us towards a more just peace, and may you heal the wounds inflicted by inhumanity done centuries ago and done today. So bind our wounds, form us again, breathe life into us, come, be God for us, and teach us to pray as your son Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying boldly together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The psalmist trusts God for deliverance and strength, a reading from Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O God, from the hand of the wicked and from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. Here ends the second lesson. Children, would you all come forward for our time together? We'll sit right up here. James, you want to sit right here? You can sit beside me. Hey, Mary Caroline, you want to sit right here, sweetie? All right. Well, today I wanted to talk to you guys. You know, um, Pastor James is going to be telling us about a person named Jeremiah. And he was a prophet for God. That's kind of like a messenger. Sometimes it's tough to be a messenger, especially for God. And Jeremiah, he kind of knew that. And do you know that God asked Jeremiah to be his messenger when he was only a boy? He was very young. 
And God asked him when he was a boy. Now, if God asked you to be a messenger, to go and tell a lot of people what God was saying, do you think you might be a little scared? No, I would be, but James would not be. He may be, he may be a messenger, you guys. He's coming. So now I have a book today that I brought to read to you about a cat whose name was Crumb, who was scared, but somebody helped him, sort of like God helped Jeremiah to be a messenger or a prophet for him. So this book is called Miss Hazel Tyne's Home for Shy and Fearful Cats. And it says, when Miss Hazel Tyne opened her home for shy and fearful cats, she didn't know if anyone would come. But come they did. Look at all the kitties. There's the, there's the sign. So they all came. Here's all sorts of kitties. Some were afraid of mice. Some were hopeless. And then here's a little kitty down here. This one's name then there was Crumb, the most timid of all. He dashed through the door and hid. So Crumb was the smallest and the most timid or the most scared of all of them. So there were so many kitties that came to Miss Hazelhurst's house for some help from her. And so it says, so more cats came to Miss Hazelhurst's home and more and more so many arrived that on a Monday at 5 o'clock, when everyone but Crumb was fast asleep, Miss Hazeltine ran out of milk for the kitties. She said, I'm off to fetch a bucket full, she said to Crumb, and I'll be back before dark. Crumb watched her go. But oh no, what happened to Miss Hazeltine? She went to fetch the buckets of milk and she fell down. She was by herself. Oh no, what happened to her? She fell down in the ditch and she was all by herself. Look, she heard hooting owls and she got a little bit scared because she was by herself. Now, it says back home, the cats did, they were at home and they, they didn't really know. They waited, there was no milk. They didn't know where Miss Hazeltine was. Do you think maybe they started to get a little scared? <gasps> They're fearful cats. What will they do? But Crumb knew where Miss Hazeltine had gone. And maybe, just maybe, he knew what to do. Crumb stepped into the moonlight. He arched his back. He held his tail high. He gathered the other cats. He, they were armed with nothing but the old broom. The residents of Miss Hazelhurst's home for shy and fearful cats streamed out into the night. Down in the ditch, Miss Hazelhurst groaned. What will happen to the cat, she whispered, and what about Crumb? Yet something was happening. The cats felt it in their chests. With Crumb at the fore, they followed the sweet smell of milk down the road right to Miss Hazelhurst. At Crumb's meows, the cats purred and pounced and helped Miss Hazelhurst. They formed a chain of cats to rescue her from the ditch. The broom made, a, made an excellent crutch. They brought a broom along. You know, that's very, they conquered their fear of the broom. Miss Hazeltine was escorted back to the home for shy and pretty brave, if you ask us cats because the cats changed the sign after they rescued her, see? And it says, you're, as she said, you're as bold as lions, and whether you stay forever or head into the world, I will never forget your courage. The cats were so happy that they didn't even miss their milk, and Crumb found a new spot, not hiding, but right with Miss Hazeltine. See that? So the cats were really afraid. They were afraid of everything, but Miss Hazeltine really needed help. So Crumb, the most scared one of all, the one who was hiding in the dark places, he was the bravest. And not only did he help Miss Hazeltine, he got all the other cats to do the same. And Jeremiah, even though he was a boy, even though he was 
only a boy, a little boy, when God asked him to, he still helped the way God asked him. And he helped a lot of people. And Jim, Pastor James is going to talk to us about how he did that with his passion today. Okay, let's say a prayer. Dear God, thank you for all that you call us to. And thank you for delivering us or bringing us to our fears and bringing us through them. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Miss Andrea. We're about to sing a gospel song. There are some gospel songs that fit better in the um, kitchen, around the kitchen table of the chapel than they do the formal dining room of the sanctuary. This may be one of them. It is a song that Barbara Atchley and I have grown up with, and it's about the wondrous story. It is, uh, it, being like most gospel songs, it's about and written in dotted eighth, sixteenth rhythm that sounds like horseback to me. Bum, ba-bum, 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 ba-bum. But every time the writer hit the horn, uh, he put a new word there. Actually, it was written in Massachusetts. It was written by a pastor named Francis, and he was a, a guy, Pastor Francis Rowley. He wrote this song, and the music director named Bill Horn wrote the the music score to go with it. The Billhorns later, Melinda, got into the organ making business and made the Billhorn Brother Folding Organ Company. And they made an organ that weighed 16 pounds. They could stand up, had foot pedals, it was used by the Salvation Army, chaplains in the field and all over the world. And so we have a story to sing about. We'll sing this song about that story right now. Let's stand together and sing.
Jesus heals a woman who has been ill for 18 years. However, according to the authorities, Jesus healed her on the wrong day of the week. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. It turns out that I grew up in a family of photographers. I didn't realize this until Liz pointed it out a few years ago that she did not, that her family didn't take very many photos and so there are not many uh, around of back in the day. But my family did. In fact, in, and I think in all of my cousins' basements, there are billions and billions of, of bushels of, uh, of pictures from everywhere. When I, when I think about it, uh, at every family gathering, when I saw my uncles, every uncle had a camera around his neck, except for Uncle Bill, and he had two cameras. So there were plenty of pictures there. Some of these we saw last weekend. Liz and I were up in Asheville, North Carolina. Twenty of our family gathered, and we showed some of the pictures that Uncle Sherwood used to show for what we called the Uncle Sherwood slide show. When we'd gather for any kind of uh, family reunion, at least one night, we had all kind of a cloister around him. All of us first cousins were on the, uh, the floor and he would run through what felt like thousands of slides of us. And I can still remember feeling the heat from the projector lamp. I can still hear the sound of the ch as each of the slides came through. And we've transferred those to digital now, and we were watching some this past weekend. And so here's the picture of Mamaw, holding my sister when she was a month old. And Mamaw was smiling. It's one of the rare pictures of Mamaw smiling. <laughs> Somehow by the time we came along, life had just kind of worn her down. Then there was a picture of Papaw with his prize blue tick hound dog, having the trophy over here, which my sister has at her house in Houston right now. And he was smiling. There's the picture of cousin Johnny and me, my first cousin. We're standing back to back and I'm holding my hand like this so as to measure which one of us is the tallest and get the story straight, finally. All of these are family pictures that tell us who we were and tell us who we were becoming. Even as I've told this story, you've been remembering your family pictures that tell you the same. As we read through the book of Jeremiah, it's a long book, and it's a book of pictures and images, selfies, we would say, that Jeremiah recorded of his own story, of his own evolution from the one today when he was, well, since before he was born, all the way up till the time he became a man. As I look at this story, the pictures tell me that he is a character with a characteristic of persistent passion, and I envy that. 
I like him already. I need him. A part of me identifies with him because he, he does two things that kind of uh, Andrea alluded to in the sermon. You know, the, the Bible is filled with two verses that go over and over again that go fear not, fear not, fear not, and do not lose heart, do not lose heart. I struggle with both of those. There's plenty to be fearful in the world, and I can be captured by that. There's plenty that's discouraging in the world, and I can be addicted to that. But it seems like as Jeremiah went through his life and down times, he was not consumed and held down by that. So I picked some pictures. There are many. I picked some pictures that, to me, show how he is a character of persistent passion. Now, I, um, I guess we'll take a look at the first picture. You'll see here uh, the picture of Jeremiah uh, sitting in a chair. But, by the way, I, I prepared this to go along with a PowerPoint, and uh, I realized that we don't have good luck with uh, audiovisuals around Northside Drive very much last night, and I'm kind of a, a manuscript preacher, so there wasn't enough time to rewrite the sermon. So as I point out here, uh, this is Jeremiah sitting in a chair. Uh, it's the same picture that you have in your laps right now. It's that picture of Michelangelo's painting of him in the Sistine Chapel. He is brooding. And the, the caption that I would give this picture is that prayerful brooding feeds uh, passion. It feeds persistent passion. Now, brooding can be negative, but I don't define it that way. Uh, brooding is taking care of the brood that you're responsible for. And if you're a parent, tell me that you haven't had that exact posture of Jeremiah. Hand in his, uh, or head, head in his hand, leaning down with one shoulder, the other arm limp on the knee, pondering the things that are before him and are of his life. He's thinking through his life. He's known as the weeping prophet. There's a story where he asks the question, is there no balm in Gilead, B-A-L-M? Is there no balm in Gilead? And you know that spiritual song that addresses the question, there is a balm. There is something to, so to save the sin-sick soul. So he went through times where he was low in his life, and he cried over his country. He was tearful over his nation. Have any of you done that lately? As you've looked around and seen what is and shed some tears about where we are, the priorities that we have. I know that I have. Uh, oh, I think I've got a picture of this. Yeah, you'll recognize John Meacham, presidential historian, and his traveling com companion, Tim McGraw, millionaire uh, country music singer. They were at the Roxy uh, on July the 3rd. Liz and I went to see him, and some of you did as well. They both published a new book called Songs of America, and it's about the patriotic songs that have shaped us and followed us. In that presentation, Meacham said, I talk to people all over, from East Coast to West Coast, blue and red, all different uh, parties, and he said, from everybody, I, for, regardless of their perspective, hear about the same thing, that we're having troubles in our country and we need to address them. I thought of the quotation by, I got another one. You'll recognize this writer, lives in Maine. No, not Stephen King. It's, it's E.B. White. He's sitting in his writing cabin with the lake on the other side, typing away. E.B. White, you remember Charlotte's Web, Strunk in White, the uh, minimalist grammar that a lot of us grew up with. E.B. White said, I rise each morning torn between a desire to improve the world and a desire just to enjoy the world. Then he says, this makes it hard to plan the day. We live with that kind of friction, don't we? As did Jeremiah. He is seen, let me back up, nope, one more. 
there. He is seen in this picture as reviewing his life. As an older man, he recollects. But as he recollects, he has a memory from before his birth that God had called him back in the shadows of time to live into who he is. And even during the bleakest moments, he was to remember that God holds him in God's hands. As you can see on his face, prayerful brooding actually feeds persistent passion. Here's the second picture. Now you may not recognize this right off, but if you look for a while you can see it. The motto of this one is, hope is a thing that's planted before it can be harvested. Hope is a thing planted before it can be harvested. He's in house arrest here. He spent a lot of time in jail, Jeremiah did. One time they threw him in the bottom of a cistern that was all dried up and left him there for dead. He wondered if he should have even been born. He was so discouraged. This picture is from his house arrest where the city of Jerusalem was being besieged. It was going to be captured. The walls were falling. It was coming down. The temple would be destroyed. And he said, I think I'll buy some land. And all of his kinfolk said, now you're going to buy land now as the city's being destroyed? He said, yeah, in fact, I want you to get the deed. I want you to put it in an earthenware jar like it's being buried because one day, one day God will bring us back. That hope is, is like something, a seed buried, because it has to be planted before it can be harvested. This week, uh, Daniel showed me some of the videos that we've had a videographer make of, of you, and we're going to have more made of you. Uh, if, you can tell it's a professional. If I'd been making it, it would look like the Blair Witch Project, you know. But, but this looks really good. And uh, Ken Brandt is interviewed, about a four-minute clip, Karen Massey, and then Caitlin Cook-Fur. And each of them speak to what we're doing about the three-part motto that we have of inclusive inquiring involved. I saw it, and it blew me away. Ken's story was, was so present. I had pictures of me standing at the chancel while Ken and Andy were getting married. And he was saying how welcomed he felt by you, the people of God, Northside Drive. Karen affirmed our inquisitive nature, said that she tells her students, you need to ask questions to grow in faith, like my church at Northside Drive. And then Caitlin Cook-Fur is there telling about our befriending the Afghan family, part, partnering uh, with them. There's even a picture of Caitlin and a member of our church carrying a mattress in. And where is Hal today? He's, he wasn't struck by lightning yesterday, was he, at East Lake? I kept watching for him on one of the stretchers. <laughs> I was, I was hoping God wasn't aiming for Hal and hit five others. You know, that, that could have happened. But, but Hal Meeks is helping carry this mattress in. Inquiring, inclusive, involved. And I, I just felt so joyful to see the seeds of hope that you are planting that we're able to see sometimes a harvest for although not all will be harvestable in our lifetime. For a small body, we are sure leaving a large footprint of good on this earth. So that's number two. That's number two. Hope is a thing planted before it is harvested. Then here, that's number three. Now, I know you recognize that, don't you? Uh, you in the back probably can't see it. But... It is looking through a window where Jeremiah was in need of a sermon, so God sent him down to this artisan's studio. And he looks through, and there is a sculptor working with clay at a wheel. He's at the potter's house, isn't he? And he sees the potter shape the clay, maybe making it into a tall uh, vase to put a flower in. 
and yet as he thins out the wall, something goes wrong. Maybe the consistency of the clay doesn't fit for that, and it's destroyed. But, says Jeremiah, the potter doesn't toss it out the window, doesn't throw it away. The potter remakes it as fits the potter's vision of making it. Maybe it could no longer be a tall vase with beautiful flowers. Maybe it was going to have to be a thick kind of skillet to make cornbread in. But the potter remade it, and then Jeremiah gets his sermon thesis. Can I not do with you, O Israel, as the potter has done to the clay? Indeed, it depends on our pliability. That persistent passion means seeing that God is in the salvage business. Is there anything in your life that you brought into this place today that you think is unsalvageable? Well, you're wrong. Remember that God is in the salvage business, and what doesn't seem to work, God can rework, redesign, and repurpose. I remember as a young minister, I was discouraged. I'd gone to a conference where I met and heard Gardner Taylor. Gardner Taylor was called the dean of, uh, of, of uh, African-American preachers. I would just call him the dean of preachers. He was from Louisiana, but he pastored in uh, New York City at Concord Baptist Church. And he had this great, um, well, persistent passion. And I remember him talking about when he was discouraged that he would come back to that bomb in Gilead song and say, it really matters to me to hear again those words, sometimes I feel discouraged and think my works in vain. But then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. There is a bomb in Gilead. Does any of these three pictures fit your story today? I'll back it up. This there, that one there. Does that fit any of your stories today about prayerful brooding, feeds, persistent passion? Do you need to go home and pray over your life and rem remember God's grace? Or this picture here, that hope has to be planted before it can be harvested and go do some good, maybe through our missions committee? Or this picture, the potter's house, to remember that God is in the salvage business with every life, your life, my life. Jeremiah didn't have to put a hand behind him to see how tall Amos or Hosea or Isaiah were. He just remembered how tall he was, made so by the grace of God. Persistent passion. Amen. Is our tradition that when a word is said, an offer is made of invitation for dedication. We sing a song today that comes from a sister of the sacred harp tradition. Every, every Lenten service, those of us who come gather around the front and we sing songs like this. And the sacred harp song has a lot of percussion to it, doesn't it, Jerry? And you can feel it beating in your chest. Uh, New Britain, Amazing Grace, is, is one of those like that. And it just has a lot of structure and strength in it. Actually, this is from the Hespian harp tradition that is a cousin to it. And one day, Keith Walker showed up in staff meeting and said, I've got a story to tell about that. Would you tell it right now?
Isn't that a story? Now, you can't sing a harp hymn anemically. It has to be robustly, right, Jerry? So, at this time, let's stand together and sing. bring a few announcements and uh, concerns to your attention this morning. First of all, directly after the worship services over this morning, we will have a called meeting of the church and conference below us in the fellowship hall to consider the recommendation of the steeple committee about the replacement for uh, the damaged uh, steeple on top of the sanctuary. So all uh, of you who can join us, please come down to the fellowship hall directly after. Um, we want to fit this opportunity into Marty Cope is offering two more photo sessions today and September 15th be the last days to get your photograph taken for the membership directory. If you haven't done that yet, I don't know if she's taken reshoots, but if you haven't done it originally, please uh, go see her. She'll be in the colonnade, right, Marty? And then get thee to the fellowship hall directly after that. I uh, heard we had a great choir retreat uh, this weekend. Um, Keith featured some of his uh, specialty catered items that he cooked. I'm sorry I missed that, but I know y'all had a oh, banana pudding, I'm hearing. Amen. Can I get an amen for the banana pudding? Uh, that was a great time as the, the choir readies uh, its special music this year, including Messiah, December 15th. Um, several uh, prayer concerns to tell you about. Uh, you know about Barbara Ashley's mother, Emma, who was buried yesterday in Sevierville. Several Northside drivers gathered with Barbara and her family. We lift her up in prayer today. For Jim Hermance, who was discharged from St. Joseph's Hospital, recovering from surgery on uh, his arm, his fractured arm, and the news is good that he's recovering well. And uh, for others who are recovering from surgery and convalescing, um, we lift them up and give thanks and hope for a quick recovery. Now Melinda will help us continue our worship uh, with this uh, well-known selection by Bach. Thank you, Melinda.
loving God, the sounds of the organ remind us of weddings. For indeed, the good book says that the church is the bride of Christ. And so this week, we pray that you would wed us with grace, wed us with hope, make us a people of prayer, and give us persistent passion. Receive these tithes and offerings as symbols of our gifts and of our love. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And as a reminder, remember that our church and conference meeting is right, going to happen right below us in the fellowship hall. So uh, please stay, go down uh, through this hallway, or you can go out those steps. Also remember, we're trying to finish up the pictures. And if we don't get your picture made, uh, Garrett Ray, who is a caricaturist, <laughs> will provide something, something like a police sketch of you and so maybe that would motivate you or not. So that's available. As we prepare to go, remember, may the strength of Christ uplift us, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround us, and may the grace and mercy of God give us hope and give us courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen. <laughs>